However, you recognize that in life, in your personal life, there's been a lot of moving parts there too. And if you are able to take care of what you need to do in life, from buying a house to raising a family, to going to the grocery store and figuring what's gonna be in that cart, you can do this negotiation as well. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, BeWell. PlanWell, BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. I am here today with Shirley George Frazier. She is a very accomplished person. Uh, she is the owner of Sweet Survival. She also um, owns giftbasketbusiness.com. She is somebody who calls herself a chief basketologist. So in a minute, I will have Shirley tell us what that means. But today she is joining me. Um, because she is a very well-respected author and uh, consultant in the gift business. One of her several books is How to Start a Home-Based Gift Basket Business. And you may be wondering, if you've listened to the podcast a lot, how did I find Shirley? Because I'm was I buying a basket or was it something else? And in fact, Shirley and I connected like a lot of entrepreneurs connect. We connected on LinkedIn and I loved what she was up to. And I said, you have got to come on and talk to the Breaking Money Silence audience about the types of work you do and how you negotiate. So with that, Shirley, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much, Kathleen. It's wonderful to be with here with you and the audience. You know, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but let's start by defining what a basketologist is. And if you are indeed the only one, or if there are a bunch of them out there, and I'm just learning about this profession now. Well, as far as I know, I'm the only person who uses that language as a chief, chief basketologist. I did hear it used by a person who follows me, which I was quite honored to hear. A basketologist is an expert in the art of creating and selling gift baskets. That is generally the foundation of what a basketologist is. We know the product. We understand what in individuals are looking for. We understand how to source the product as well so that we create these beautiful masterpieces that no one wants to open, yet everyone must open to enjoy the contents. I love the way you describe that because I'm thinking about the idea, like I love gift baskets. I love getting them. I love, in theory, I love creating them. But I know as a regular Joe Schmo, when I decide I'm going to do a basket and I put it together and it never looks like 
a professional basket. You know what I mean? It's always a little, uh, a little lacking in some area. And this isn't putting me down. I mean, I have other skills in other areas, surely. Don't get me wrong. But tell the audience a little bit about how you got into this because it's may, not your normal career path. And it's something that, you know, as somebody who gives corporate gifts all the time, I think it's an awesome business. It's true. It's a wonderful marriage of creativity and business. I have always wanted to start a business. My family goes back in business in generations, certainly not gift baskets, but my great grandmother who grew and shipped her strawberries from Virginia to New York City in the turn of the century and other entrepreneurs. My, I was working at the former World Trade Center, trying to figure out what I wanted to start as a business. My husband created a small gift for a friend at his job where he worked. And from that small bottle of liqueur with some rocks pasted to the bottom of a shot glass, I thought of gift baskets. And I started to understand how to find products, how to create gift baskets. I was terrible at making my first gift baskets. Oh, they were a disaster. But I kept at it, at the creation, at the understanding, the marketing, and things just came together quite nicely as I developed the skill. Then I started to be asked to speak at different conventions and to share my expertise with others. And that's when things just came together for me, where I was able to author a, a book that happens to be the best selling in the industry and create giftbasketbusiness.com, which again brings people who love making gifts together to start and grow their gift basket businesses. I love this. That's just like your life purpose <laughs> ended up being the creativity and the marketing and the blend between those two worlds. And boy, you are in your sweet spot, definitely. So um, today we're going to delve into negotiation. And, you know, I imagine there's a lot of negotiations in your business, but specifically, we're going to talk about negotiating when you're the middle person. So in other words, it isn't a uh, you know, me negotiating with one of my clients, it's basically like you're the wholesaler. You're in between uh, the uh, buyer and the seller, and there's Shirley, or people who are listening in might be in that position as well. So when did you realize, Shirley, that, wait a second, a lot of my negotiation is as a middle person? Like, when did that awareness come to be? It, it was a light bulb moment. One of my clients was having a problem understanding uh, uh, the negotiation technique that she was going through with a, with a drop shipper. Uh, and the drop shipper is a company that provides the products that are sold through another company. And I didn't realize that I was helping this client negotiate until I said to myself, oh, wow. I have to both understand what my client is going through and what the drop shipper in this case is not understanding, not expressing, not explaining. And that's when I recognized that I was in the middle of a process that would ultimately help not only my client, but also the drop shipper and the bring value through the customers that they, that they sell to. 
as a as a partnership. And that light bulb helped me to recognize what other business I was in. You kind of get it's kind of like getting uh, parachuted in between a conversation, <laughs> and all of a sudden you say to yourself, "Oh, okay, I, I." In a way, you might feel like you don't have to help, but if you don't help, then everyone is out of business. Or well, what's interesting to me, Shirley, is is because of my psychological background. Are are you a middle child? Like, did this come to pass because you've been negotiating your whole life between kids or something? Or well, I'm not a middle child. I am the firstborn. But as you have asked this question, I am. I've had to be a negotiator because my sister, who is the second, is a person who has always gotten her way. So I've always <laughs> had to negotiate my way. So that is true in a way, without being the middle child. So you learned how to negotiate as a young woman in your family. We often learn how to negotiate, whether we realize it or not, in our families. And then you went on to be able to see the value you could provide for your clients in helping them with the negotiation process. So in some ways, you're communicating with your client. It's a lot of communication. Like, I'm communicating with my client. I'm communicating with, in this case, the drop shipper. And I'm having to almost translate and be that facilitator in the process. It's so and, true. And so I imagine there are more dynamics involved in that than a straight negotiation between a client and a customer. So what's it like emotionally to have this spot as the middle, you know, being in the middle of this negotiation? Oh, goodness. Such stress and frustration can come from it. That That is the first emotion that everyone feels, that the client is feeling it and then sharing that information with me, not saying stress and frustration, but certainly hearing it in their voice. And that's when you do uh, have empathy, you take charge, you help them see what they don't understand. It's kind of like the sizzle and the steak. They are thinking one way because that's the only way that they can think. Uh, they see a, a combative kind of process happening when you have to dial it down for them and help them recognize what they don't see because they've never been through a certain situation. So you are helping them recognize what they don't see calming them down and then giving them some solutions for what they might not know and then helping them translate that and turn the situation around with whomever their their partner is. So can you give me a concrete solution or a story where you were involved in this process so we can kind of get a sense of what that might look like? Sure, sure. Still in the case with the the drop shipper I found as I spoke with the client first, strangely, this was not just one client with dropshippers. This has been an ongoing process. And I'm certainly not saying anything negative about dropshippers. There's just a, a negotiation that happens between the two so that they know that they're on the same plane. And in this case, the client, again, told me what was going on with the, the process that they couldn't understand. The process was that the company, that the supplier was not able to help my client understand their supply. And so if the my client cannot deliver, then my client has egg on her face. <laughs> she, she can't deliver the product. Now it's, it's, uh, it's on Yelp. 
Um, it's on, on, uh, on online communities that this particular company couldn't satisfy me. So I had to reach out. Once I got all the information from my client, I had to, I didn't have to, but it was my responsibility to reach out to the dropshipper to speak with the person in charge to find out what their training process was. Because as we're talking about Kathleen, the communication process was not in place. So I had to actually help the dropshipper in this point, create a better training module for their staff so that the, my client could have a better supply, have better supply access. And from there, the two were able to, to speak better to each other because the conversation was not combative. It was now as a partnership ought to be. And so that's where the negotiation came in. We'll take a short break. You know that negotiating your fees and getting paid what you're worth is emotional business. And I know how to help you become a rock star negotiator. So I am offering an exclusive group experience, a masterclass on negotiating for a hand-selected group of businesswomen. So if you're highly motivated, career-driven, and ready to take a deep dive into your money story and learn how to shift sabotaging beliefs so you can earn more, then this masterclass is for you. I'm taking applications now and space is limited to eight kick-ass women. You're gonna get individual and group coaching, both facilitated by me, as well as video lessons, handouts, and a bunch of bonuses to help you become the rock star negotiator I know you are. So check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and register today. Let's get back to the episode. So as a uh, person who specializes in, in business and wealth psychology, who pays you? Is it the client? Is it the, do you get paid to develop that training? Is it that you do this out of the goodness of your heart, Shirley? I'm just kind of curious how that part of this works. That the client is the one who pays. The dropshipper has been dropped into the situation. <laughs> so there's no monetary value there, but there is an education value that I can pass on through examples on my blog or through podcasts like this one or in other aspects. So it's very important for me to get the education so that I can continue to work with clients who have similar problems or other problems that I can help them with. And I imagine a big part of the gift basket business is making sure you have supplies for the gift baskets. Ooh, That's yes. why I've always kind of steered away from products. <laughs> I mean, I'm a service provider through and through. And anytime I, other than a book, anytime I've done a product, I've been like, I'm not really great at this part of it. So I decided just to focus on my sweet spot. But you are good at that part. So what's the secret sauce in making sure that you have the products that you need to go into these baskets? Is it the types of communication you're talking about? Is it you know, finding the right supplier, like help me understand, because it's definitely a world I'm not familiar with. Yes, the right. And first of all, it's I'm, I'm so glad that you have expressed your expertise elsewhere, because that's what keeps the gift and gift basket industry going. The expertise that we have to share with you and to bring your value up. It is important for us to realize what suppliers are available, not just in the drop shipping world, but when we make 
the gift baskets for our clients and for their clients. We need to stay up and not up, but we need to stay on track with who is manufacturing and who is supplying, because there are two aspects of that. Some companies make and some companies provide. So we do so through trade shows and the trade shows at this point are coming back yeah. uh, in person. But even if the trade shows aren't in person, there are virtual trade shows that are wonderful, that are both locally based, state based and international. And unfortunately, as time goes by, some suppliers do close up and that's just the way the world goes. But then we have to make sure that we have a backup for suppliers. And in that, in negotiation, we can negotiate what we're buying, when we're buying it, and how the supplier can store it for us until we want it in our facilities. So negotiations go through suppliers in that way as well. Wow. So, so what's like the biggest negotiation problem you've ever run into? Oh, the biggest so far, I mean, because I've been working with the clients and the drop shippers so far, of course, those come in in mind first. But the biggest negotiations I can think of is when I need to, oh, not when I need to, but when I want to train individuals at large events. And I have trained gift basket professionals and those who want to sell uh, by the hundreds in groups of hundreds. And that's when the real negotiation starts, when you need to talk to the person in charge of producing the event, talk to the person who is in charge of the venue, uh, talk to the people who are supplying all the baskets, containers, the foods, the gifts, the wrapping. I could go on and on with that. And thankfully, it's not a headache. It's a matter of having a spreadsheet of what you need, who is going to provide it, where the venue is, who are the people in charge, and how to bring it all together so that everyone is laughing, clapping, and enjoying their time. They don't see the back process, and really, Kathleen, I don't want them to see the back process. I want them to enter the room. I want them to see all the goodies. I want them to be just so joyous. I want them to be putting everything together and seeing these masterpieces that they create for not only themselves in this first foray, but for others who they will be making them for in the future. Woo, it's something. <laughs> I was about to say, that's a lot of logistics, a lot of negotiations, a lot yeah. of moving parts. So when I get hired to speak in an event, it's this brain that has to show up <laughs> and usually a PowerPoint presentation. I love that. So, so there's, I mean, there's enough negotiation in that process, let alone, you know, with sponsorship and all sorts of stuff. But I can imagine showing up with all these lovely different parts. And it, when you thought it, when you described that room, I thought, oh, I want to go to one of those trainings. <laughs> that seems fun. Even if my basket isn't the best in the room, that would just be a fun way to learn uh, in such a hands-on experience. So it sounds like when, when there's so many negotiations going on at once that it becomes not overwhelming, but a little bit more challenging. So true. And when it started to occur for me, of course, there was an overwhelm. I said to myself, oh, goodness, this is, this is more than a puzzle. This is more than a 500-piece puzzle, certainly more than a pie where you <laughs> cut it up into nine slices. There's a lot of, as you said, different working parts. However, you recognize that 
in life, in your personal life, there's been a lot of moving parts there too. And if you are able to take care of what you need to do in life, from buying a house to raising a family, to going to the grocery store and figuring what's going to be in that cart, you can do this negotiation as well. And it becomes certainly secondhand, but the situations that come up that you're not used to, that you can't balance between what you've done before, you know that there's something that you can do because it's approached you. And however it's going to work out, it's going to work out for the benefit of all. Well, and and what you mentioned is so true. It's such a transferable skill in terms of a lot of women out there that I'll coach or that sounds like you'll work with as well. Like, I'm not very good at negotiating. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Let's just look at what you did this morning, because usually there's a ton of negotiations and for men, too. But often women are the ones that are first to kind of admit that maybe they're not good at something. So for you, because we're on a podcast called Breaking Money Silence, when it comes to negotiating prices, Is that something that you do as a middle person? And if so, is that trickier than negotiating some of the other aspects or is it about the same? For me, it is about the same. Probably, it probably wasn't at the beginning, but I do see it as as being on the same plane. For instance, uh, negotiating prices. I have, of course, not only done it for myself, but I've work with several local clients when they, for instance, a lot of times we don't want to go to a retail store to negotiate because we want to work with wholesalers only. But I have to admit, sometimes a retailer will have such a low price, a clearance price for a pallet of products that it makes sense to go to a retailer who's trying to get rid of products. And I've done so with some clients where we worked, walked into a retail store, we've seen a pallet of products, and we negotiate a better price than is shown for the, the products in general. And there's a better price because we're not buying one or two of these soups or stews. We're buying 24 or 48 at a time. So if the, the soups are priced at 99 cents, well, why not 75 cents for the whole palette? You get it out of your store. You're the hero, Mr. Manager. And that is how we can negotiate. We're going to take it all. <laughs> well, and what, what I love about that is it shows your negotiation mindset in that you want to make your client happy, but you want to make Mr. Manager happy as well. Absolutely. And you're so authentic in that. It, you know, it's not a game. It's like, I really think that that brings you joy to be able to do that. And, and the other thing I hear is that maybe price was harder to negotiate initially, but you've been doing this for a while. And I think anybody who's listening in that hasn't negotiated a lot should just hold out the idea that it's like practicing anything. It just takes time. And, and over time, it gets easier and it gets less scary and The last thing I'll say is this morning, I actually did a a live, a LinkedIn live, and it was all about bundling. So I should have had you on talking about (laughs) bundling products because uh, you do that all the time in these gift baskets, Shirley. So true. So if you had to leave listeners with kind of one tip about negotiating as the middle person, what would that be? You may start with especially if you're not used to this, familiar with it, you often sit in your chair in your office. That's where the work begins. My suggestion is to get up out of your chair, first of all, 
it is okay to pace and speak to yourself. Yeah, I know that, you know, years ago we used to say, don't talk to yourself, it's crazy. No, it's not. We know it's not crazy. It's a way of understanding what is happening between two parties. And a lot of times you must get up to refresh yourself, pace and speak out loud and understand for the to the best of your ability what is happening between the two parties in a way that you may not see it when you're sitting down. There's an energy when you're sitting and an energy when you're standing. Even if you have a hallway to walk up and down, I mean, you can get your fitness on while you're figuring out this negotiation. (laughs) It's okay to have a double process happening. So that I find, uh, I have found in my years of experience to be very satisfying and helpful in starting the conversation to get to the heart of the matter, to make everyone happy and satisfied and fulfilled. I love that because there is something to moving around a room and uh, certainly saying the words out loud. And and I love that you are all about making sure that everybody's satisfied. And so I know people who are listening to this podcast, Shirley, are going to want to find out more about you and your business and connect with you. So tell us a little bit about what's the best way uh, to reach out. Well, I have the giftbasketbusiness.com site. I know that everyone is not trying to make and sell gift baskets, but there's a lot of good information there, in my opinion, that is not just gift basket related. It is business related. And that's how I wrote the how-to book as well. It happens to be a gift basket book, but at the same time, it's a business book that happens to do with with being uh, an entrepreneur. And I I also have ShirleyGeorgeFraser.com. Uh, that gives just general advice about being in business, life, and other aspects of doing good, being good, doing well. And those two are the two sites that can uh, bring some more value and, and happiness in business and in your personal life. Well, I will definitely make sure they are in the show notes and all the links. And the next time I get hired to do one of these conferences, I'm going to be like, you have got to bring in Shirley to do a team building exercise with gift baskets. That would How be fabulous. fun would that be, Shirley? Yes, they would love it. <laughs> well, it has been awesome breaking money silence with you. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise. It's my, been my pleasure, Kathleen. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, Be Well. PlanWell, Be Well is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.